Welcome to the Medman Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hey, everyone. Jay here with the Medman Podcast. Today, we'll be chatting with Amber Pedersen, a regional operating officer with MedMan. Amber started her healthcare career as a CNA and unit secretary while in high school. From there, she moved to receptionist and LPN at a large multi-specialty clinic while attending nursing school. After graduating, she worked as an RN in the ER for five years. After building depth in both the front office and on the clinical side, she saw a need for improved leadership. With that guiding her, she went back to school for her MBA. And if you haven't noticed, Amber's quite an overachiever. She truly enjoys working in healthcare because of the challenges it consistently delivers. The challenge of running an incredible clinic is inspired by delivering great healthcare to the communities those clinics serve. Amber, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you join us today. Thanks, Jay. Looking forward to it. Well, your intro kind of touched on, you know, the path you took, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, what drew you in while in high school to the healthcare field. So it's kind of a funny story. ER, the show came on and I loved it. And I loved watching Carol as an ER nurse. And so at that point, I decided, you know, I wanted to be a nurse and in the ER with the complexity of never knowing what's coming in and having that, what you would call kind of an adrenaline rush day in, day out. It's awesome. So all the parents out there that say kids don't watch TV, it's not good for you. (laughs) It certainly didn't happen in this instance. That's awesome. No. Okay. So obviously you've been in clinics for a long, long time and now you've kind of moved, but throughout, you know, your career, tell me about an improvement that you're most proud of. So I aspire to have those around me that I work with to be better than me, to have a larger impact on the healthcare environment or just life in general. And so one of the things I'm most proud of is About five years ago, I was probably at a low in my career where one of the physicians that I was working with told me he didn't think I was the right person because no one liked me and the staff didn't think I was doing a good job, that type of stuff. And so I really took a look and said, well, but that's not why I got into healthcare. I got into to be a leader and no one likes me. So I took a real look at it. And the other thing that we were challenged with too is the cost of our turnover and the cost of having, you know, paying managers to manage things. And so we started down a journey of what we called self-policing. It was a journey to say the least. And it got hit when I presented it to my leadership team the very first time with that is the silliest thing I've ever heard of. Physician said, that's why I pay you to be the police, not have you make the staff do it. And so I said, no, I have other things to do. I don't need to manage staff and make sure they show up on time. So we went down this journey of self-policing. And, you know, by the time we got done, I had decreased two management positions. My turnover rate dropped to about a 2% for the clinic. And our staff satisfaction was at the highest we'd ever seen it in the history of the clinic. Secondly, 
I was not spending my board meetings talking about staffing issues and how frustrated the physicians were with things not getting done correctly or people not knowing their jobs, that type of stuff. And so just last week, I was at this clinic's board meeting and I said, okay, what is the number one thing you are most proud of in this clinic as we are going around the table? And they said their staff. And so that journey of getting there was a journey and I can go into more details, but the fact that we got there and we could see that I have now people like me. Um, so that's a good thing, right? <laughs> but people, I've had two of my assistants managers that have went on to much larger jobs. I've had one want to come back and work for me and another one that's offering to come work for me whenever I have a position open. So I feel like that journey I took and kind of my readings, revelations. And the other part about it is it wasn't just me. It was my team that did it. And so teaching the team how to be a leader is something that we really don't think of when we're talking to frontline staff. But making them be a leader is really helps help this organization. Yeah, totally. You know, leadership isn't a title. It's certainly a characteristic that can be learned. And, you know, Awesome takeaway, just kind of through that. And I got a couple of follow-up questions here. One of them is, you know, there's a lot of listeners out there that probably have issues that this kind of self-policing initiative could help. Now, can you list off a couple of signs that they might be seeing that they just don't know how to relate quite yet to a solution? What kind of things were you seeing other than just the satisfaction and turnover? What else did you see that made you want to try this? The dissatisfaction of the staff and asking me or their manager questions that they should be able to answer or that we were getting on someone for not doing their job or saying a rude comment to another staff member. It's a real time suck. HR is when you have a poor performing employee, it really takes a lot of time. How about this question for you, Amber? When you went through this transformation, how many of the original staff ended up on the other end? Was there a big turnover to get there or did you kind of bring along that same group of staff through this whole transition? That's a good question. I didn't have to look back. I would say we were about 50%. Awesome. And that, I mean, that's a pretty good number considering, you know, you're making a significant change and not having to replace everyone while doing it. Yeah. And I think remember that two of my managers went on. One, they had grown so much through this that they got bigger jobs, more responsibility, which we couldn't provide them in our organization. Gotcha. So it wasn't so much that they left because it wasn't a good process or it wasn't a good fit. They just outgrew the role and outgrew the organization. And, and really, you know, as, as we all know, that that's a true sign of, of a strong leader is having you know, the people underneath you grow, you know, at, at times surpass you, which is a great thing. Yep. Now let's go into really what it took to make it work. And in that answer, as you mentioned, there was just this huge wall of opposition from just owners, um, providers. Tell the listeners what you were able to do to convince them as you tried to initiate this. So really, I had to show it was working and I had to kind of like, they always say proof is in the pudding. And so even though they were a little upset with me slash not sure I was the right fit, they still had trust that I did know what I was doing. And so it was a balancing act, right, of still proving and doing things. So 
you know, one of the big things is I was like six months into it and I was like, I'm making no progress. Why is it that I'm making no progress? You know, I've read all these leadership books. I've listened to them in the car. I have done everything, right? Mm -hmm. I'm making great progress myself. My staff, they're still staring at me with deer in the headlight books. (laughs) And I'm like, why is this? And it took me a while to fully understand. It took me back to my coaching days of they don't understand where I'm going. So how are they going to get there? And why are they going to get there if they don't even understand what's at the end? And so it's easy in sports. There's a score. We know what we're getting to at the end. We know why we practice because we have a score and there's a winner and a loser. And they didn't have, we don't have that in this process. Secondly, if you think about some of the people that I was training and going through, even in their personal lives, they have never been taught to have a conversation that tells someone directly, I don't like how you talk to me, but yet have respect for that person to know by saying that they won't talk to me that way again. And now they feel confident that this person has said it and not talking behind their back, right? We started from ground zero with readings, YouTube videos, and all my staff had to do it. It wasn't just my management team. It was everybody had to read excerpts. And we started from the very basic of building trust and just building trust along. And so, you know, one of the things was hard for me is someone would come into my office and say, well, so-and-so didn't clean the lab. And so I'd walk out there. Why didn't you clean the lab? But you can't do that in this transformation. And so I had to start saying to myself, did you ask them why they didn't clean the lab? Did you go talk to them? Well, no. Okay. Let's go out, you and I together, and ask and see what was going on. Because we don't know. Maybe they had to leave. Maybe they had a sick kid. We don't know the full story. And we aren't trusting that that person wants to do a good job. We're all of a sudden assuming they're just not wanting to do the job. So it was really building that. And that took us a couple of years. The other thing we did was we had a triangle and in each staff meeting, from department meeting to staff meeting, we rated ourselves very honestly where we were on this triangle. And I use the Patrick Luciani uh, triangle of five dysfunctions of a team. And that really helped them see how they were moving. And we'd have mess ups and they would then get to the point where they're like, oh yeah, I should have done this. I'll go do this. And by the end, I didn't have people coming to me or they were coming to me because we had hired a new person and this person wasn't fitting into our culture of doing things. And we also hired people that couldn't handle it. I do not want to talk to someone. Well, that's part of being part of our team now. You have to talk to people. You have to tell them if they offend you or if they're not doing their job correctly because they don't know. And some people couldn't handle it. And so I think probably one of the challenges thinking through it and even actually talking with you is, When we make new hires, we have to coach them through this and what it's going to look like to be part of this team. Yeah. And I'm sure now that it's more tangible, you know, that the organization has adopted this and the culture is that, man, what an impact it has on, on retention, you know, and the hiring process. I'm sure that it's helped a lot getting the right people because you can weed those out that aren't a good fit. Mm -hmm. Was there anything specific as far as tools, technology that you used that our listeners could potentially grab a hold of to help in this process? I don't know if there was anything particular that was it. We used a lot of different things and we mixed it up a little bit. And I think that's probably key because you got to remember that everybody learns differently. So, you know, having YouTube videos, having readings, talking about it, all of those things, and just really having an open door. Maybe that's it. 
just walking around, having an open door saying, how's it going? Hey, how'd you handle this? was probably key. Gotcha. Excellent. And now that you're looking back, what are the signs that you know that you're successful? And we talked about it a little bit, just let's reiterate that just a little bit with the board meeting that you just had. And ultimately, what other signs that, that you know that, hey, you know what, this really worked out? We hired a manager that was not used to this type of self-policing and they had really struggled and the staff were like, holy cow, that is someone we would have used to have, but now we don't want that type of management. We don't like that type of management. So the other great success is that when I talked to the gals that had left and are in different positions and organizations, they're still writing me back and saying, hey, remember that? Can you share that YouTube video? Something like that. And so now they're trying to do that in their new organization. Awesome. Yeah. What an impact. Amber, that's a great initiative, great tactic, and certainly paid dividends for you. As a recap, Amber talked about how self-policing had such an impact on the culture, turnover, and all the things that hold people together. Listeners, I encourage you to think about how you can implement that and certainly reach out to Amber or Medman to get more details so you can implement that in your clinic. Thanks for tuning into the MedMan Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at MedMan.com.